0: morning, good morning, turn to uh, Acts chapter 15, that's where we're going to be today as we are in this series moving along. I was looking at the calendar yesterday, spending some time looking ahead and um, we're going to be carrying this series through until right up until Thanksgiving weekend time, uh, just in time for us to start our Advent uh Time of year. So um, we have been in this series in Acts. While you're turning there, I do want to say this. I'm super excited about this opportunity that's in front of us to send a mission team to Central America in February. It's going to be an adult trip, or I think it's, I know there's an age requirement, like some teenagers could come if their parent or guardian is with them. Um, but we're very excited about this. So I hope that not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, two weeks from today, if you're even remotely interested, you'll stick around after, if you come to the early service after that service or after this service, um, there'll be info meeting uh, in the classrooms back there to find out more because it, um, it's a great opportunity. It's something we've been wanting to do, uh, it's something that we were intentional about desiring to do uh, in the early days of the Porch Community Church and then, uh, you know, different things happened, like COVID or something like that. and. And um, kind of locked us down, so we're glad to kind of get back on track with that. And we love sending our students out, so we want to give our adults that same opportunity that um, our students experience. And just it, it changes, it changes you to go and serve. It really does. So Acts fifteen, um, <clears throat> we're entering a a part, a, a chapter, especially where what's going on is there are believers. They're the early church. They are making converts and churches are uh, forming and being developed, and those churches are making disciples, and they're growing, and as is human nature, whenever we uh, get a couple people together, they start to go, hey, let's, um, let's put some expectations on this group of people, let's, let's institute some, some customs or some things that we think will be important to the church, and that's kind of how we are, and because of that, because of that tendency that, we, that was happening in the early churches, a little bit of division or uh, misunderstanding of the gospel started to happen. And uh, what we're going to find here in chapter 15 is that this agreement boils down to what I believe is the most important question on the face of this planet, which is, how does a person receive eternal salvation? There was actually not, there was a lack of clarity among Christian churches in the early days on what exactly must you do to receive eternal salvation. And you might think, well, they shouldn't have messed it up. They had, they had less time to mess it up than we do today, but there was. And so there were divisions among Christians on what constitutes a true believer. And what I want us to do today, my, my plan, my hope, for us is that as we look at this text is that we will understand better the, uh, the implications of, of how the early church developed and those who were coming into the church from the Jewish faith and the Gentiles and how they were merging together, that we'll have a better understanding of, of what it means. How does a person receive eternal salvation? Um, we spend an inordinate amount of time coming up with Jesus plus something equals eternal salvation. And you might think, no, we don't. We've got it figured out now. We just talk about Jesus. I I could understand maybe in the early days they didn't get it, but no. Just as in Acts 15 we're going to find, today in 2023 we try to say Jesus plus something is going to equal your salvation, Believe in Jesus, but then do these things. Believe in Jesus, but avoid these things. Believe in Jesus and say this, and then you have salvation. We spend a lot of time on this. There's a difficulty that is had here in the the receiving of the free gift of grace. There's a problem here in Acts 15, and there's a problem today with this gift of grace. It's almost like we have this idea, no, no, there's gotta be something more. There's gotta be something I must do to gain the favor of God. Like, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, but there's gotta be something more that I must do, or that I can, you know, that can move me up the ladder as far as being accepted, right? We have difficulty with this finished work of of grace. So, Acts 15, let's start here in verse 1 and see where we go all right certain people came down certain people came down from judea to antioch and were teaching the believers so this was a teaching going on in the early church and this is what they taught unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by moses you cannot be saved this was the teaching in the church Verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with those who were teaching this. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem. That was the, the center place of the church. Go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. This question, what, must, what, is, what is necessary for eternal salvation? Verse 3, the church sent them on their way, and as we know, Paul, he's not going to just go to Jerusalem, he's going to talk about Jesus along the way. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. So they were going through areas that were, had major Jewish influence, and they were saying, hey, where we've been, Gentiles are coming to know Jesus, This news made all the Jewish believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. All right, so there's a lack of clarity on what it must what you must do to be saved. Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem. They're going to talk this out. This actually becomes an official meeting. They, they've named this, church historians have named this, the Jerusalem Council. And this is where they take this question, how does a person receive eternal salvation? And they discuss this. Um, now, here's the significance of what Paul and Barnabas did as they traveled um, through Phoenicia and um, uh, to Antioch, Right? Um, Phoenicia is Gentile territory, and uh, it's sort of half Jewish and half Gentile. They were not considered fully Jewish. These were people who had been around Judaism their whole lives, but they were not themselves Jewish. But there were people; they were they were called God-fearers. So they gave them a name, like, yeah, you you do you fear, you love, you revere the God, the Jewish God. And so they, they were coming to faith, but they were not fully Jewish. This is, this is where in Jerusalem area, okay? Paul and Barnabas were out talking to people who had no Jewish background, and they were just saying, hey, you, let me tell you about Jesus. So they're coming to do this. So this is the, here's the importance of this, because up until this point, the, the Jewish believers which is where it all started. The Jewish believers were like, okay, this is our Messiah. This is our King. He, he gave his life for us. He came to fulfill the old covenant. He's doing that. And there's, and there's some people, you know, my friend, you know, John is gonna, he, he's not Jewish, but he's heard all this and he's a God fearer too. And that's just great. And, and, you know, and then there's the other person, and the other and that's wonderful. That's wonderful that these precious Gentiles are also believing in the God that we believe in. But they're like, but, but we're the true ones. This is really for us. They're just kind of getting the residuals, you know, the leftover information, and that's really sweet that they're also believing. That's kind of the mentality of the early church, was this is really for the Jewish faith. So it was accepted reluctantly by Jewish believers so as Paul and Barnabas are making their way to Jerusalem and they're like hey we've been telling Gentiles about Jesus we've been telling people who don't know anything about Judaism who don't know anything about the Old Testament about Jesus and they're coming to faith and they were like um should I be excited about this uh should I be concerned about this and this is why there's the question what must you do to receive eternal salvation because some people were saying you've got to be, you've got to follow Jewish law, you've got to go through all the Jewish stuff before you get to Jesus. You must be circumcised. So they share this message. John, uh, non-Jewish people were attracted to this message of a Messiah, and there's this gospel of salvation that they were sharing. That's like, no, this is for anybody who believes, anybody. And this is where it gets a little sticky for them. Because the idea that a Gentile without a Jewish background, without law keeping, without any ritual of circumcision, without doing anything in the old covenant, they can just believe? Like they can just believe and be admitted to the church? That's what some of the Jewish believers were struggling with. You mean they can just come in at the last minute? I mean, it's the parable that Jesus told of the workers, and there's the guy that worked like five minutes, and he got paid the same amount of the guy who worked all day. And they're like, you can come in? Like, you can just believe? And they're like, no, 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 no. I had to go through all of this. I had to go through all of this in the, in the, in the pre-days before I could ever follow Jesus. It was, in effect, spiritual hazing. I went through it. You've got to go through it. I went through all this, so you must, too, and that is the way of our human nature, right? And it's kind of like, listen, I endured, um, well, as an infant, they did. It, males, they endured circumcision. They endured the schooling and the memorization and the, and the rule-keeping, the law-following. Oh, my goodness. They endured all of this, so you must endure too. See, the message that Paul and Barnabas were sharing was, no, no, Jesus endured it all. You don't have to endure that. It blew their minds. We, we skim over this. We don't get it. We don't fully understand the, the, the ramifications of the message that Paul and Barnabas and others were preaching. It was just like, no, how does a person receive eternal salvation? You believe in Jesus, period. So this meeting in Jerusalem... With the leaders of the church, the disciples, the apostles, it was necessary for them to work this out. And I'm, I'm thankful for the wisdom and the discernment that they had in these early days to do this. So, verse 5. So they're there and they're meeting. It says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, anytime we talk about Pharisees, in our mind as Christians today, we're kind of like, yeah, those are the bad guys. You're like those are the ones that didn't get it. But there were Pharisees. There were people in, in, the, in the Pharisaical line of their responsibility in the church that were they believed in Jesus. Like they came to faith. There were those who had been taught under Pharisees that were coming to faith. They said yes to Jesus. They saw him as the fulfillment of the scriptures. They saw him as their Messiah. And so it's not like when we read this, it's not like, oh, they didn't believe. No, these were people who believed, but they were like, you must be circumcised. You must follow all of these laws of Moses. The gospel that Paul and Barnabas are sharing is a gospel just of faith. It's not of works, it's not of genealogy, it's not of laws, it's just faith. So they're all there meeting and they're talking, right? So some are like, you've got to be circumcised. How does a person receive eternal salvation? Yes, Jesus, but it's Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus law following. Verse um, Let me, before we go further in 15, you can turn back if you want to chapter 13, because here is what Paul and Barnabas were teaching as they were out doing the ministry that they had been appointed to do. This is what they were telling people. And yes, it was Gentile people. And this, they said this, here's uh, from verse uh, 38 and 39 of Acts 13. It's what they're preaching. They said, listen, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That's good news, Right? So then you go, okay, so this must be the next part. What must I do? Verse 39, through him, everyone who believes is set free from, okay, everyone who believes. Okay, we, we, we skim over that. But think about what's happening. Everyone, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification Ooh, here's where it gets serious. You were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. That's that's what Paul and Barnabas were teaching. So they are saying, no, no, you don't have to follow the laws of Moses. You don't have to go about all these things. It's just belief. Faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. This is where it is. If you believe in him, even, even without keeping the law of Moses, you can be saved. So town after town... This is the message that Paul and Barnabas were bringing, and this is what people were responding to. But the believing Pharisees and others were saying, no, 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 you have to keep the law of Moses just like we do, just like we've always done. If you want to be a saved person, you have to be a Jewish person first, and then believe in the Jewish Messiah. And this is really dangerous because... It's, it's like trying to mix two mediums. This is the Jesus plus something. It's like trying to mix oil and water. They don't mix. And, and what the, some of the believing Pharisees and Jewish people were saying, no, it's, you've got to have something. Because forever and ever and ever, it's always been you've got to have something more. You've got to add something in. And it was really hard to break that mindset they couldn't break that understanding of, oh, it's just about faith. It, it would be like if, if you went into the Louvre, you went to Paris and you walked into Louvre and you had a Sharpie in your back pocket and you looked at the Mona Lisa and you were like, you know what? That's, I need to add to that. It's not a masterpiece yet. It's not an amazing work of art yet. I need to add something more on there. This is what they were trying to do in regard to salvation adding on to the finished work of Jesus. What if the church, I mean, think about it for a second. What if the church had started this way? What if at the Jerusalem Council, they heard the different arguments that were given, and they they concluded, no, you must follow the Mosaic Law. You must believe in Jesus, but you must also follow the Mosaic Law. What What would some of our songs be today, like, Amazing circumcision, how sweet the sound. (laughs) Or uh, what, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the law of Moses. Like that's We don't sing those songs, right? We don't know about Jesus Christ and the grace he gave to us, the fulfillment of this. This is about grace we have been saved through faith. So they're at this council, okay? All the leaders of faith are there. They're gathered in Jerusalem to figure this out. So different people are speaking, and now Peter speaks up. And this is what he says in verse 6 of Acts 15, or what we find going on here. So the apostles and elders met together to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. All right, Peter had, a, had an encounter with God where he was like, Peter, you got to get rid of all this plus something stuff. Because I've got work for you to do to share Jesus, and if you're gonna com- always be freaking out about what people are eating and what they're wearing and whose house you can go to, you're not going to carry out my work. And so he had to kind of he had to work in Peter and say, no this this word is for everyone. don't you dare call something unclean that I have said is clean. So Peter just kind of worked through this. so he's speaking up and he's like, We know that God wanted me to speak to Gentiles so they might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Verse 8, God, Peter's still talking, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. Right, So he saw the Holy Spirit working in them just as he did to us. Verse 9, he did not discriminate between us and them. This is exactly what's going on here. and I I don't even think it was hateful. This, why they were meeting at Jerusalem Council. I don't think people were like, I hate those Gentiles that believe in Jesus. It was like, no, no, you just got to do more. But there was, there was a discriminating factor here. And Peter's saying, he, did, he didn't discriminate between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. See, circumcision was a purification ritual. And so he's like, no, no, God circumcised their hearts verse 10 Now then so he's speaking to the whole the meeting why do you try to test god I love how he says this why do you try to test god by putting on the necks of gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear you know a yoke you put on oxen to drive a team why are you why are we trying to put on the Gentiles, what we for centuries have not been able to do. We, we Jewish people, we couldn't do it. We don't do it. And now you're telling these Gentile believers they have to do it or at least try. You're telling them to do something that nobody's been able to do yet. Now, this is something to keep in mind. This time... Judaism, when it talks about the Mosaic law and all that, it's not just 10 commandments, if that's what you were thinking. The rabbi said, no, 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 there's more than 10. There's 613 commandments that you must follow. So Jesus plus 613. <laughs> and what's interesting about these commandments is there were 248 positive commandments, but there were 365 negatives. So there you go. There's a thou shalt not for every day of the year for you that you can follow if you want to. In the old law 613 commandments that were unable to be kept by anybody but, but but by the same people who were advocating hey let's make the new people do this too and there it is there's this spiritual hazing i'd say religious hazing is the better term so peter stands up and he says something this to me is revolutionary in verse 11 He says, no, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. It is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. I think it's pretty significant that Peter first says they're saved through grace, just like we are saved through grace, instead of. Okay, we're number one, and then they come in, they're JV, they're JV Christians, and they get to be saved just like we are. No, he's like, no, they're saved by grace just like we are. He's, he's leveling the playing field. He's like, this is, this is how this is. Verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. And now, remember, different people are speaking about this question. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and the wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. So it's just like, just in case you don't think this is a work of God, it is, and he's, he's showing up. Signs and wonders are happening. This is a work of God. Now, different people are speaking, and now James, the brother of Jesus, speaks. They're working through this question. We're working through the question of how does a person receive eternal salvation? Is it Jesus plus something? And James says this in in verse 13, and then he quotes a passage out of Amos. um, But this is what he says in verse 13 and then 19. He says, brothers, listen to me. It is my judgment, therefore, based on everything he's heard, and based on even the scriptures, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We shouldn't make it difficult. Why are we making this difficult? And I love this, because what did, what did Jesus say? He didn't say, my, my yoke is very hard, and my, the, the burden is going to crush you. He said, my yoke is, is easy. My burden is light. Take that upon you. It's just Jesus, not Jesus plus something else. And so the apostles' decision in Acts 15 here at the Jerusalem Council... Regarding Gentile believers, what it does is it marks this crucial moment in the launching out of the church. This is a revolutionary moment for the church. It emphasizes faith in Jesus Christ alone, the sole requirement for salvation. Now, I don't have these on the screen, but later scriptures show the decision of the Jerusalem council, primarily in the writings of Paul, because he wrote so much of our New Testament. But he consistently emphasizes it's just Jesus. It's salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans 3, he says a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. In Galatians 2, he affirms Gentiles did not require circumcision. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Just Jesus, not Jesus plus anything else. This reinforces that salvation doesn't come through keeping the law. In Colossians 2, Paul says, don't judge other people based on their dietary or their religious observances, that the external practices. Those are not the basis of salvation. Don't freak out about what they're eating or not eating or whatever else. So the, the Jerusalem Council meets here, and we find in Acts 15, and they determine this most important question. How does a person receive eternal salvation. If you flip over to Romans chapter 10, Paul writes the answer to this question in a in a really good succinct way. And if you notice, there's not going to be any mention of Old Testament rule keeping, no extracurricular religious activities. He's just answering the question, how does a person receive eternal salvation? Now you might think I'm glad the Jerusalem council worked this out cuz they were they were they could have gone in a lot of different directions and they could have. But it's just as true today friends in 2023 as it was then for us to go what how does a person receive eternal salvation? Because you might be struggling with Jesus plus something. You might be struggling with that. If you were to really get down to it and think about what it is you believe, some of you might have have received or placed a yoke upon yourself you're like, no, it's Jesus plus works. Jesus plus, I've got to do this. I've got to achieve this. I've got to make this. I've got to acquire this. I've got to do this. And you need to address that. And and if anything, I just want you to hear, it's just Jesus. Then beyond that, is you are surrounded, surrounded by people who have heard a message of Jesus, but they do not understand grace. They do not understand that it is by faith alone. It does not, it does not jive with just human nature. It's, it's counterintuitive. And so they think you must certainly do other things. You must certainly be this, do that, say this, whatever it may be. And and I want to equip you, I want us to be equipped to be able to speak a word just like Paul and Barnabas did to people and say, no, it's just Jesus. Jesus was nothing else. And this is what Paul says in Romans 10, verse 9 through 13. Answering the question, how does a person receive eternal salvation? There may be some here today who have pondered that question. Here's your answer. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How does a person receive eternal salvation? Jesus. Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And in his grace, his mercy does the work. If there's any works going on, Jesus has done the work. We believe. We believe. I mean, that is a passage that many of us have heard many times. Many of us have memorized Romans 10. But in light of Acts 15 and the the debate that was going on, And what must you do to be saved? This was groundbreaking. It's just Jesus. I pray that we understand this. I pray that we embrace this passage of Scripture in such a way where if there's any plus something in our lives, we we will bring those to the Lord and leave them with him. And then I pray for God to embolden us to be people who share this this truth, this promise, without any hazing involved. It's Jesus. He's the one. He's the way. Father, we come to you now and we say thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the promise of life eternal. We know we do not deserve it. We know there's nothing we can do. Say perform to earn this free gift. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you. God, forgive us if we've tried to add on. And Lord, definitely forgive us if we have tried to add on for other people. If we tried to teach, preach, declare Jesus plus something else. It's just Jesus. Lord, with the remainder of our time worshiping together, praising you together this morning, would there be a a surrender on our part of anything we've carried that's beyond just Jesus? And would you renew us and fill us up by your Holy Spirit to share the truth of your gospel? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.